and we're back. We're not just going to tease you with the mock draft. We're going to talk how we feel. We're going to talk what we want, who we're going for. We're back, Greg. And we're, we're so close. You can taste it. I know we almost just cried off camera together. We're going to kind of skip that part, but let's get into it. And everybody embrace these days leading up to the draft because once you draft, the draft's done. This is it. The, just the thinking about it, the craving it. So it, it's the best time of the year, and this is going to be our final episode pre-draft. Good luck to everybody. We're just going to kind of rapid fire our thoughts, get the anxiety out, and then best of luck to everybody. We hope we could have helped you. Yeah, definitely. And reach out to us. You know, if you have any questions, we will be checking the Twitter. We check everything. So reach out to us if you have any specific question on things that we didn't get cover on any of the pods. But uh, getting right into it, you know, the, the big news, Sonny Michelle to the Rams. Now, does that make you not want to draft Dale Henderson? No, but are you going to take him in that fourth, fifth turn? So I was never personally the owner that would take him in the fourth, but I would still take him in the fifth. I think he's still before the Trey Sermons, Javante Williams, the Buccaneers backs, but he is after the Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs to me. He kind of slides back into that late RB2. I don't want Sonny Michelle still, but Daryl Henderson slides a little bit for me. What what do you think? Yeah, I actually think uh, Henderson's a lot more – I don't know how correct term, just electric than Sonny Michelle. Sonny Michelle kind of died out quick. He looked like he was going to be good, and then he just never broke tackles again, never, you know, got to the edge. I, I, it's, I don't know, unless he has a resurgence here, but I think that Henderson is even a, a really good pass catcher. Maybe not better than Sonny Michelle, but I just don't think that um, Sonny Michelle is actually going to, you know, steal it with a hot hand roll. I just don't think that's going to happen. I mean, he's going to vulture some goal line looks from Henderson for sure because Matt Stafford's going to have him in there. They're going to be oddling. You know, nobody's going to come off the field type deal, but I don't think that it really brings Henderson down too much. To me, I just see it as a death move more than a Sony Michelle as fantasy relevant. So maybe we're both a little more worried about Henderson, but overall, as you know, a fifth, sixth round pick, give me Daryl Henderson and I'm completely fine with it. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing, too, is they're they're in Super Bowl mode now. You know, we're talking fantasy, but real life, they just brought in Matt Staff. They, they, in their eyes, the quarterback is the reason why they didn't win them the Super Bowl, and they just got one of the top five, in my opinion, actual quarterback talents in the league right now. So He, he is good, and yeah, I mean, so I heard some other guys talking about, they're like, let's say that Cam Akers never existed going into the year. Where do you rank Daryl Henderson? And that's true. I, they're like, if Cam Akers never existed, we think Daryl Henderson would be way higher yeah. than he is. But we think of him as a second option, but he's become their first option. Yeah. So I think we overcorrected for the Cam Akers injury by sliding Henderson back. But now with the Sony Michelle thing, he's probably about right. Yeah, Maybe right where fourth, he's, yeah. fifth kind of round. He's still got upside, but you're not going to take him above a Chris Carson or a J.K. Dobbins. That's not exactly his place, but he's still a very good back, a, a top 24, I would say. Definitely. The other news that, that's kind of big right now is the Travis Etienne went out with uh, some sort of foot bone injury? Or? Yeah, it's a foot sprain, and they've determined it's a Liz Frank that requires oh, surgery. So by putting great. him on IR right now... He is out for the whole season. There is no way he comes back. It looks like James Robinson steps into the same role as last year where he gets all the touches. 
I, and I'm a little blitzed right now, but who is Liz Frank? This bitch just takes everybody, uh, every season she takes. Do you know who she is? I don't, but She's the ankle I've, been, out here. I've been dealing with foot injuries the last two years. That's funny. I take Etienne in the mock. He goes down with the foot. Last year, Joe Mixon and Chris Carson, feet injuries. My name was Fruit by the Foot. That's how I felt about it. So <laughs> I think, man, this, let's touch on the foot injuries. I'm telling you, if you hear that there's a foot sprain, no longer will I personally be expecting my guy back in one or two weeks. No. Never again. They are serious. You're going to miss weeks. Some of these guys are going to be IR candidates in season. So I think the foot injuries haven't been a focal point lately. But for me, and I'm telling you guys, they are serious. Guys are not going to play the next week if they suffer a true foot sprain. So... This one's a very serious one. Etienne's done for the year. Yeah, and again, the the ankle foot is serious. Now that's uh, that hasn't been a focal point of recently. Now the hamstrings or the camp strings, we like to call them. Those are those are from a partial tear, and those can actually heal. You know, in a in a week, two week time period, especially if you're doing cryotherapy, doing a bunch of other stuff. The hamstrings are are more likely to come back actually quicker now, which is. Really weird. People bounce back from hamstrings. You know, some people have the extended. There is the cases where, you know, Emmanuel Sanders' hamstring is out for four weeks or whatever. But, again, the foot injury is serious. The foot stuff is serious. And we're not talking about foot fetish here. The foot stuff is serious. And I can just give an example from last year. Uh, Chris Carson went down and went with a dirty tackle oh, by a Cowboys defender. The gator roll. The gator roll. gator rolled and sprained Chris Carson's knee. Chris Carson played the next week and scored twice. The foot injury, they kept saying he was going to play. He missed, I think, four weeks. Yeah, he did. So give me a knee number one. A knee sprain is not as serious as a foot sprain. And, and man, that's – I mean, there's different grades. Our Dr. Casey, he doesn't listen, but he could probably give us more info. But what we're saying is the foot injury is one to be very worried about if you get caught with one. And that's the thing. The knees are a little bit different now. And the, the perfect example – a lot of players had said this of, of recent, but – Tom Brady played with, like, a torn ACL or MCL, whatever it was, and they just wrapped that up every game and kept it super secure with tape and all sorts of holds, and it worked. I mean, you couldn't tell. He was scrambling a little bit. I mean, he didn't look like a stick figure out there, and that's kind of how it is now. They can tape it and make it structurally sound with the knee stuff where it's not as big as an issue as, as the ankle and the foot. Um, but, yeah, that boosts James Robinson up. He's actually a lot more valuable kind of at that same area where Travis Etienne was. Kind of clears up the backfield. We already know Jamie Robinson is the elite pass catcher. You don't have to worry about Travis Etienne running fucking go routes with Trevor Lawrence for some reason. That's probably why he hurt his ankle. Honestly, trying to cut out there on a dime. He ain't 25. But, um, yeah, so. I, I want to keep an eye out to see if the Jags bring in another back. But if they don't bring in another back of note, James Robinson, for me – is he's in that tier we talked about where Daryl Henderson is not. I think James Robinson is, where it's a Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders. The high upside guys with question marks, James Robinson is there, and the only question mark is the offense. Is it any good? Because he was really good last year, but he still wasn't really a top five guy. So you just I don't think you necessarily build in that kind of upside, but I like him in round four here. I, I think it even might become the point where he's going in round three as it gets closer. You know, there's always shock from yeah. the first thing. But I I think he goes higher than where ETN was going before because you kind of just now, boom, combine their loads, giggity. Yeah. I think fourth or fifth round, I'm, I'm really comfortable getting him. 
Uh, so let's say Chris Carson or him. Who do, who do you pick? James Robinson or Chris Carson? Oh shit! I'd probably take Chris Carson. So just, yeah, yeah. Just because yeah, you know you. the offense is fire. You know Russell Wilson is going to have a streak, or for for eight or ten weeks he's going to be the QB one. I mean, he does it every fucking year, and then he goes ice cold. Like I don't I don't know how that. I don't know what happens to him. He gets the fucking jitters or, or what. Uh, but that's the right way to go. So now, the other side, do you take Jamin Robinson, James Robinson or do you take Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams? Oh, dude, I 100% take James Robinson. Yeah, you take, if you're, you're in any form of PPR and you monitored James Robinson last year, I had him in a quarter PPR. It's not even half, not even full. Very nice insurance. He had double-digit weeks, I think, the last four or five weeks. Um, yeah, I like James Robinson a lot there. That that fourth, fifth, if you get him in the fifth PPR, man, that is a fire. That is a fire pick. Not yeah. necessarily as your 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 RB two. If you're getting him as your your third R, your second RB two, you already have your RB one from the second or first round, and you can kind of get him as maybe your third running back in that first five rounds. Man, that is electric. Yeah, I see him as an elite RB three or a steady RB two. Yeah, definitely. I'm comfortable taking him as in round four and even five, whereas ETN was really going in sixth or seventh at the best. James Robinson is now on the back end of the you know the RB two range, maybe even maybe even higher than that as we get closer. It's kind of this is all kind of a shock to us, but we're saying go get him, not second round, but fourth round if you like the guy. He he's definitely in play there. Yeah, uh, and to touch some some ankle foot stuff before we go. Um, did the Colts fucking lie about Carson Wentz and uh, the tackle? Because they're back practicing, which was going to be 5 to 12 weeks. So I think they just had COVID or something, because that, that doesn't make sense. That If they literally both had the same foot injury, first of all, they had the same foot injury. That's a fucking anomaly. A bone that was misplaced, same bone, very sketchy, get the same surgery, both back on the field at the same time, jogging at the same time. I think they had COVID and they're unvaccinated and something happened. So I'm not going to get too deep into it. But again, Carson Winston's back. So you can go ahead and kind of draft Michael Pittman as a dart throw. 13, 14th, 15th round. That's a nice pick right there. People forget that he did have that 100-yard game against the Bills in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think so. And he had another 100-yard game a few weeks earlier in the regular yeah. season. So he kind of caught fire. And they went up and they were high on him. They were He was their first pick. They took him in the second round. They didn't have a first-round pick, and they moved up to get him. So they're actually pretty hype on him. If you've watched any of his tape on, at USC, he's very elite. So that could be a player now that Carson is going to start from week one that's someone that you could kind of look at that late 13, 14, 15th round that could pay off. And in that spot, we're fading T.Y. Hilton and bringing forth Michael Pittman. We're really out on T.Y. Hilton. Not that he's not draftable at the end of the year, but he's not going to be the one anymore. I think no. it's safe to say it's going to be Pittman or even Paris Campbell. But but we kind of like Pittman, and yeah, assuming that Wentz is back for week one, Pittman's a, Pittman's a decent wide receiver four or five option. Yeah, definitely, and that's and that's why we're bringing it up. I mean, we're talking about the, the joking, the ankle conspiracy, but I mean, I, I brought it up to talk about Pittman because Pittman's going to look good. I, I think Pittman could have a round... Maybe a thousand yards, definitely eight hundred and some tutties, which could you know win you some weeks. I'm not saying you want to bank on him; you just plug and play. But uh, he's a nice receiver that you could own. Let's touch on the Saints ride receiver core. So Michael Thomas is going to miss several weeks now. What, what this one's hard. We've both not been drafting him. I would say mm-hmm. quickly. What do you think of Michael Thomas? Do you take him in round ten? No, I I, I don't take Michael Thomas. 
because of what Sean Payton said. Um, Sean Payton said he had no idea when he took the surgery. So essentially, when the news came out, now I'm pretty tapped into a lot of this stuff. Now, essentially, when the news came out, supposedly that's like a week or two weeks after he had the surgery for the ankle. He was kind of ducking Sean because he was mad that they didn't reach out to him. All sorts of stuff behind the scenes. But essentially, he's going to be gone for the first six weeks, almost guaranteed. Yeah, that's so, almost a minimum. I mean, that's, that's almost like, a, like that's almost a minimum. So uh, if the if the rumors are true, again, we're going off. You got to be tapped in to really to know which rumors are real and fake. But it's looking like this rumor's real. So I'm really out on that because I, it's almost purposeful that he did that because the rumor is again we're talking rumors here. I feel like we're on Entertainment E or something right here, TMZ. But the rumor is they reached out to him because he had the stuff. He played through it for Drew Brees. He played through it. They reached out to him to get the surgery. He tried to rehab it on his own. He didn't want to get the surgery. So it seemed like he was kind of out on the Saints. He was mad at them for some reason. I think I honestly don't think he wants to play this season because his contract ends soon so he can just be a free agent and kind of go about his way. Yeah, so, so Mike, I mean, I can't say I would never take him. I would probably give him an eye as we get to round 11, 12, 13. But I just hope somebody else takes him and he's not my headache because that's the kind of player where you're you're just hoping he comes back after six weeks. If it becomes 8, 9, 10, you might drop him anyways. And so he's going to just be a clog on your roster for a long time. He's a great player. He could come back. If you're asking me, I hope that's somebody else's headache. Definitely. So that leaves us with, it looks like Jameis is going to start. That's been the latest report. We're going to go under that assumption to assume that their passing game will be Fairly strong. There'll be a lot of interceptions, but that doesn't hurt the receivers. So, Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway, how do you feel about those guys? I am all the way in on Callaway. Traquan Smith has always been a hype piece, as in the beat writers hype him up. It really hasn't been the on-field production. There's been some spurts and some catches and you know some this and that, but Callaway is the the better athlete. He can't. He went down there. Did the did the stanky leg, bent it over, grabbed that touchdown. I don't know if you watched the, the game the other night against yeah, the Jags. Yeah, he, he looks really good this really season. Good. Yeah, no, he was his stanky leg. He's been over, touch that thing. He was he was he was snagging on everybody. Um, and it looks like Jameis Winston can actually see receivers down the field now. Uh, he kind of saw that there was coverage down the field and checked down to a running back. Uh, so it might look like they will be out there on offense more and won't just be, oh, am I throwing a touchdown or a turnover? So I think Callaway filling that void, you know, at the end, because you can get him in the 16th round. I've I've actually done a shit ton of mock drafts recently just to kind of see who I can still get at that 13, 14, 15, 16, because I already know who I want of uh, 1 through 10 almost in those rounds, who I'm kind of targeting, who's a reach, who's not. It's those later rounds, and he's there. He's there all the time. And so, yeah, I, I agree that Callaway looks good. He's trending up. So let's go under the assumption that, let's say, Michael Thomas is going to miss eight weeks. Okay. That's more than half of the fantasy regular season. So now you have got Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway as the assumption one and two. Both of them, to me, become high-reward dart throws. Yeah. And I'm happy taking either of them after round 12. At that point, it's preference. Traquan Smith is more of just a deep threat. He hasn't been shown to be real, you know, yeah. versatile and with the different routes. Callaway seems to have more of that, but he's a rookie. So I, I like both of those guys as a late-round dart throw. I mean, and if Jameis is the quarterback, I don't want Jameis. And if Taysom Hill is the quarterback, I'm watching him in the last two rounds. 
maybe hold. Yeah. But let's say it's Jameis. Those two receivers to me become pretty interesting. Definitely. Definitely. And, and you know, some people are worried about Kamara. Oh, there's no other weapons. I think so. There, there's two kind of ways to look at it. This is just me venting right now. Kamara is one going to get all the touches. I think that's true. Number two, they won't be as high valuable of touches because they're going to be focused on him. The offense probably won't be quite as good. I think that's also true. So I think the yardage is safe. The touchdowns can be a little more volatile, but I still like Kamara, I mean, as a top six option. But, yeah, I think the reason to be concerned if you're looking at him at two or three, just because the offense might not be as good as that of, you know, Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry, even Zeke and the Cowboys. So that's just kind of my thoughts on Kamara when we get off the receivers. Yeah, and I I totally get that. But, again, Kamara went into – last season with a little bit of a knee injury and he was kind of holding out for that contract so that's why he kind of had a slower start and if you remember he absolutely turned it up in the end of the season he had that six touchdown game or was it five it was six six. it was six six against the vikings six against the vikings to finish as the rb1 and full point ppr so i mean he's gonna he's gonna be electric he's gonna be good i think that he actually has more breakaway touchdowns this year and I don't, I don't think that makes him have a better season. I think that the breakaway touchdowns are going to hit, make him kind of hit that top three, which where he should be. I don't think he's going to finish RB one. But again, you can get Kamara right there, that fourth, fifth pick. Man, that's good. Especially Derrick Henry's gone. You know, I love Alvin right there. Give me yeah, some Alvin yeah, and Chipmunks. Yeah, exactly. My my point was kind of being that some people are either out on him or all in on him. They think there's a regression or either an advancement. I think he's pretty much the same player. Saving the volume, the offense might not be as good, but still, he's just such a good player. He's he's safe in his volume, like we said. So, I mean, yeah, Kamara's still a, a lock for top five. I think the top five backs are kind of locked in, and I'd be surprised if any of them fell past five. Right. When that's So, for example, let's go. Zeke or Chubb, top of your head, who do you take? I'm uh... Man, Zeke looks good on Hard Knocks, and it's fucking so hard. It's every year somebody from Hard Knocks looks good, and it's just so hard not to just fucking nibble that shit up like a McDouble. But I'm going Zeke right there. He looks lean. That was the issue last year. He's at Cabo. He kind of looked fat. You remember he had that contract dispute. He didn't want to come. He was down there drinking. There's videos. This year... He looks super lean. I don't know if he's got a new Coke plug or what down there in Dallas, but, man, he looks good. So I, I think I'm going Zeke here. Now, Chubb is electric. Chubb yep, is Chubb. Yep. Chubb is literally, you know, top five, top six back in the NFL, but, you know, he does have Kareem Hunt right behind him. They are in a backfield where they're going to split it. I mean, no need to split it when you got Chubb. He can handle the load, giggity. But, I mean, it is what it is. It's going to be split. And I've been putting a lot of thought into the running backs. The Yeah, I lean Zeke because that passing works. So I think Derrick Henry has been the number one exception to the rule that a running back must be a three-down back, get catch a lot of passes to be a, you know, top five RB1. Derrick Henry has shattered that. Right. Chubb it's is so close. He's so close. So I, I still give Zeke that, that edge a little bit there. But I think Chubb is approaching the same anomaly where he doesn't catch many balls, but he's still going to be an electric and possible top five RB1. He, he becomes kind of that shift. Yeah. He becomes kind of that shift. So so that's just kind of how I'm looking at the top five, six backs. And it's going to change when I'm on the clock. We talk right now, and like we said, if you're split between two guys, 
pick the one you want to root for because it's all a projection anyways and right. if they're that close get the guy you're going to be happy with and you would be more you if both of them flop who are the guys you want to ride with when they flop so in that case I would maybe go Chubb so on the clock I don't know who I'd pick but yeah I slightly go Zeke there and this is just I mean I'm just anxious talking right now how yeah, about yeah. you I'm so, so ready for this thing I do want to touch one more topic before we we, we ramble some more or, or close it off it's it's the Jets uh, Zach Wilson has looked kind of elite. I mean, I don't want to say he is of the same cut or same breed as Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, but he kind of has looked like that style where he can get away with his feet. He's not looking to really run. He's looking to scramble to get that throw down the field. He's actually read the defense. I've been super impressed. Again, it's preseason. He's not going against the full ones every time, but man, for all these other quarterbacks getting hyped, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, I think that Wilson is going to, I mean, he's starting right away. You, these other guys, you don't know what's going down, what's shaking out. He's starting right away. You know he's going to be in there, and he looks pretty good right now. He's getting all the reps as the one. There is no quarterback battle there. I The connection with Corey Davis looked good in the, uh, the preseason the other day. He had 100 yards, uh, I believe a tutty. So I'm, I like Corey Davis as a draftable kind of ninth round, eighth round right there, get him as your wide receiver three or four kind of right there. I like that a lot because they're probably not going to be up. Zach Wilson's going to try to be learning how to be good, and he's going to be airing it out. And it doesn't look like he's going to be a scrub off the rip. So I, I like Corey Davis right there. Yeah, and even last year the Jets were able to support Jameson Crowder as a startable fantasy asset exactly. all year. I don't think it's weird to think that they might be a little bit better. Yeah. And assuming that, they might produce a, you know, an actual even higher than Crowder was last year. And if there's a guy there, for me, it's Corey Davis. I think you like Elijah Moore as a late-round dart throw. Definitely. I'm, I'm there for that. You know, the unknown can be exciting with a guy like that. He's got a lot of talent. But, yeah, as far as a sure thing to be drafted, give me Corey Davis. I know we were out on the Jets. As things get closer, Michael Carter is an intriguing running back with upside. And then Corey Davis, yeah, Zach Wilson looks good. Even if they're the same as last year, he probably has value. If they're better, there's just room to grow for a late-round draft pick in Corey Davis. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there anything you, you want to get off your chest? Anything? Any, just, any just a general question. How, how, do you, how much do you weigh injury risk into your player? Ooh. So not not necessarily Ooh. coming off a big injury like Saquon, but just a guy who's missed time. Example, I have a perfect Let's example. See it. So you so in the mock, I at the turn I took Aaron Jones was in the first round, and yep. then when it wrapped back around, I had my choice at Calvin Ridley, uh, Stephon Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins. I specifically did not want to do Stephon Diggs because. I know he is the glass man. A lot of people don't remember him because they weren't drafting him, they weren't paying attention prior to the season. Just last year was the first time he played every game, I think. Yes, that is a that is facts. That is the first season he fit, and it was a great electric season. We always knew Diggs could do that. We saw the you know the little three week spurt there with the Minnesota uh, that one year. The other week, the other year where he finished as a wide receiver too. He's very good, but he is the tin man. He is the glass man. He he. He's a ah my leg. He's that guy every year out there, man. So I, I just think that right there when you're getting your wide receiver one, I'm not saying don't draft Diggs, but if there's other ones right there and they're they're close in your opinion, 
I would go those guys. Like Calvin Ridley, he had the injury, but he's not known for the injury. That's you know? really the only time he's missed significant. He didn't even miss it maybe time, yeah, but yeah. yeah, you're right. He he had an injury, but he's not known for the injury, and he's burning people in training camp right now. Practice. He it's, again, it's practice, but he is putting out a footwork clinic out there. He's salsa dancing like number eighty, Victor Cruz. I mean, he is just. I mean, it looks good. It looks real good. So I think I know your answer to this, but are you seeking guys who are more reliable, or are you using the injury proneness as more of a tiebreaker when two guys are really close in your eyes? It all depends on where where the picks at. Again, if it's if it's the first four rounds, I'm really not looking for any sort of risk. Again. If Stefan Diggs is there, let's say I had the pick after you, and uh, the guy goes Calvin Ridley, the guy did DeAndre Hopkins, and Stefan Diggs is right there. I'm still going Diggs right there. I, I mean, I'm not like anti-injury, anti-Diggs, but again, I'm looking for like my top five super valuable picks to not have an extensive injury history. Again, you can't do that every time pick and choose. You've got to go with the talent. I mean, you're not going to not take a, an RB1, you know, the, at the last pick of the third round. You know what I mean? But, again, I, I, those first five rounds where I'm hypersensitive to it. Other rounds, I'm not so much because, hey, it's my seventh, my eighth, my ninth, kind of right there. But, again, those first five, I am kind of sensitive to it. Yeah, so in the certain mocks I've done, true, I try to weigh how I feel about it. And I'm kind of in the same way, even a little more so, where it's just a tiebreaker. So, for example, like Aaron Jones and Saquon, if I'm sitting there eight or nine, I like both of those guys. I like them a lot. I'm going Aaron. Aaron Jones has been safer. So, yeah, I think I go that way. But that being said, you know, Saquon versus Austin Eckler, I know Austin Eckler missed time, but let's just say he hadn't, you know, whatever. I still, I think that Saquon's a little tier above. I'm not going to shy away because yeah. of the injury too much. So it's exactly. more of a tiebreaker for me. But, I mean, yeah, the difference for everybody, it's just hard to say, right? Because this game, anybody can get a significant injury, but certain guys do seem more prone to the soft injury. It's, oh, man, what was I about to say? What uh, What's your your ruling on, on wide receiver? Do you... Do you look to get five? I mean, because I, I honestly, I look to get more of the running backs, even though that's weird, you know? I, I, I do, even though we do the three, two, the three wide receiver, the two running backs, I still like to get uh, five running backs. I did that last year, and it paid off. I, I won. But again, I've done that before where I look stupid. Yeah, so, so you're saying that your minimums are pretty much four wide receivers and four backs. Yeah. Uh, and five backs. Five backs, yes. I'm kind of flipping flop of that, so give me five receivers because we do a three wide receiver league and at least four backs. That that's my cutoff. So yeah, I do want the fifth receiver. If you're in a flex league, four I think is is a lot safer to do. Yeah. But for me, give me five because I don't I just don't want to overdo late round running backs. But that's just that's my threshold. Like, give me five wide receivers and four running backs is just a bare minimum. And I guess last year was kind of an outlier. I normally can't do that, but I, I my, my receiver core was so sure. Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, and Robert Woods, I just felt like I didn't need more than just, you know, a backup, you know, with that. But again, yeah, every draft is different. I'm sure I'm going to get absolutely fucked this draft. And this is, <laughs> it's hard to say without looking at it, but just before we wrap off, do you take either the number one kicker on the board or your number five running back? Well, it's, it's hard to give, say give without. Me a round. You gotta just give me. Guess. You are in round twelve. You have four backs, no kicker. Do you take the first kicker off the board here, 
Or do you take a fifth running back like, for example, Michael Carter of the Jets? Something kind of like that. Maybe I'm David Johnson. I already have a defense. Yeah, sure. You've okay. already got that. Okay. Do you take a guy like David Johnson, Michael Carter, or do you go at the first kicker? And go like Young young Ho? Exactly. Oh, Somebody goodness. like that. Or Jason Colonel Sanders. Oh, my gosh. Jason Jason Colonel Sanders. Oh, man. That's, that's I love me some kickers. You know I do, too. I normally waiver wire them. And get get an elite one, you know, after the first two weeks. But oh man, I don't I don't like those running backs right there. I just think that they're going to eat up a roster spot, especially David Johnson. Not a super big fan, so I guess I'm going Young Ho. We see some land. I guess I'm pirate mode. I'm Young Ho. Okay, so you're not forcing a position group extra depth in advance of a good defense my, or a really good kicker. Yeah, I'd rather complete my roster. Again, it's all fun and games to, to skip out on the kicker, the IDP, the, the defense, and hold those extra spots during the draft. But you are going to have to drop somebody, and you did miss out on, on getting your pick of the litter right there. And I've done that before and been like, man, I'm pissed. i got to drop somebody for you know a kicker right now, and I kind of have to drop somebody that I thought was valuable. And then I'm Definitely. not going to get them back. So I'll say, do you agree with this? My kind of philosophy is the same thing with quarterbacks and tight ends, but later. If I take one of the first two kickers off the board, I'm not also going to turn around and take the first couple defenses. Yeah. Or, or are you like, I will lock up those two rather than a mystery receiver running back in the 11th, 12th? Do you have a philosophy on that or not really? I, again, yeah, I kind of don't want to go back to back right there. If I'm, you know... I do want to round out and complete my roster, but I don't want to have to go, you know, defense kicker. So I do, I do go defense way before kicker. Everyone should go defense way before kicker. Kickers are super easy to replace. Having a, a K one, if you want to call it, a ketamine, whatever you want to call them, a K one, it's not super make or break. You know, if you have a kicker that that does you a six bomb, it's not the end of the world. Uh, having a defense. That drops you three to six points a week. That sucks, Dick. Uh, definitely invest in a defense. Kind of when you see the defenses go. Now again, if someone's in your league taking defenses ninth round, tenth round, fuck off. Don't take defenses with them. But you know that tenth round, eleventh, twelfth, the defenses are flying. Get in there because you're gonna regret getting a shitty defense and then having to waiver wire all your defenses. That you can do that. But, man, when you have – like last year I had the Steelers. I didn't have to pick or sit them at any time. Again, that's an outlier. They were the number one defense. But, again, if you had the Bucks, you had a nice – you don't have to worry about that. You just – the other roster spots are your other roster spots, which is nice. So my parting advice to everybody out there, we're, we're going to sign off shortly. In your draft, in your last couple of picks, if you're going to pick a positional player, wide receiver, running back – Pick somebody that you are okay dropping after week one. I, I wouldn't grab a guy that I'm thinking, oh, I need four or five weeks to sit on him and figure out if he's for real or not. That's just me. Those last couple, I'm keeping those volatile for the right waiver wire pickups. So pick a guy that you'll know after week one. This wide receiver got no catches. Done with him. This running back is, you know, not, not involved. Dump them. Tight end nothing, dump them. That's my advice. Last couple of picks, make sure those guys are high upside right off the rip or they're not what you hope they were. Drop them because there's always going to be a couple picks on the waiver wire early in the season. So don't lock down your rosters with guys you got to wait for. Michael Thomas, we're hoping he's not our problem, 
don't take multiple guys like that that are suspended or you guys that you're going to have to hold on to and miss out on good waiver wire options. Definitely, yeah, that's a good one. Don't go multiple like guys that you have to suspend. Yeah, that that's just a recipe for a disaster. Yeah, that's about it. This was kind of the the rant mock right here. I guess we're going to call that uh, the Mockingbird. But, yeah, we're the fan bros. We're out. We hope you drafted good. Next time we talk, you all got to be roster baiting to our rosters. And we're going to be prepping for week one, baby. Thanks for joining us. Good luck.